0: please, in your uh, worship guides. There, at the end of the order of worship, there is a, um, an outline that begins the 12 steps for us all. Step two, solution. I want you to have that in front of you. Even our uh, Scripture reading will be there. So I hope you'll have that, and I hope you'll keep that. Just so we're clear, uh, I'm, I'm Travis, and I have issues. I would like for you to repeat that, no, I would not like for you to say, Travis, you have issues. That's not what I'm hoping for. I'd like for you to say, hi, I'm — insert your name — and I have issues. Are we ready? Hi. I'm Travis, and I have issues. Now, it's all out in the open. We don't have to pretend anymore. We're talking, if you're new, we're talking about the 12 steps. We're going to take 10 weeks to do it. I'm going to combine 6 and 7 and 8 and 9. If you're if you're familiar with that language, the 12 steps, you probably associate that with recovery, maybe with Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or Gamblers Anonymous. But it's, it's certainly part of the lingo of the recovery community. But it also is a program, a methodology of Christian discipleship, of spiritual maturity that is helpful because we all have issues. Now before we review from last week, there are three quick things. Number one, I'm going to do this in 10 weeks, which is really fast. This is merely an introduction. Most people who work through the 12 steps take months, a year, or more to do it. So don't think that this always happens this quickly. Uh, Second, uh, this is not a linear process. It's not like you've conquer one and go to the next. Now, each is built on previous steps. So, step two is built on step one and so on. But it's not like we just conquer one and go to the next. Because we are flawed people, we might be on step nine and say, I need to go back and work on step three. The third thing quickly is that if this series is going to be of help to you, then you're going to do, have to do what I'm doing, and that is work on these steps during the week. That's one reason I wanted you to have a printed outline, so that you could keep this by your Bible, so that when you're doing your devotions, and so that when you're driving down the road, when you're meditating, that you can remember these steps. You can't say, I've worked the steps if you just come and uh, listen to the sermons. This is work, so I hope you'll join me in, in that. Now, follow on your outline. Let's review briefly from last week from step one. We are on step two today. Last week, our topic was admission. And on your outline, you'll see the step one, step one from recovery. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol and we could substitute any substance or behavior that our lives had become unmanageable. This week, Carrie and I watched a documentary titled Bill W. It's about Bill Wilson, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. He had been sober 36 years when he died. But after having been sober for 36 years, a larger-than-life figure in the world of Alcoholics Anonymous, because of his journey, tens of thousands of people had known new sobriety. But on his deathbed, drifting in and out of consciousness, maybe delirious, Bill W. asked for a drink. I say that just to remind us of how relentless the demons are that haunt us, whether it's a substance or a compulsive behavior or jealousy or greed or pride or whatever the issue is. Now, here's last week's biblical principle for us all based on step one. We have destructive issues that are controlling us, and we are powerless to overcome them on our own. We remembered that woven into our DNA... It's what Romans 7 calls a sin nature, which is the overwhelming tendency to do the wrong thing. And we can no more overcome that on our own than we can change our eye color or our height. It's woven invisibly into our DNA. It's part of us, the sin nature, the overwhelming tendency to, to do the wrong thing. And step one is simply the courageous, honest admission that we have problems, deep problems we cannot fix on our own. Now this week our topic you'll see is solution. AA's step two reads like this, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The biblical principle for us all you'll find there, we believe there is hope, God can redeem us, he can get us out of the pit. See we Last week had to admit our powerlessness so that we would be ready to experience the hope of this week. Our guiding texts from the Bible are on your handout, 2 Corinthians 1, 9. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And from the message it reads so powerfully, we felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. Rescued us from certain doom. And from Psalm 103, praise the Lord who redeems your life from the pit. And we're going to come back to that. Now this is the 12 steps for us all. But let me say a brief word to those who are struggling with an addiction. Whether it be a substance, a compulsive behavior, or some other sort of addiction that has control over you. Many of you are in recovery, good for you. You are some of the the people that I admire most. The weight that you carry is heavier than most of us can imagine. But your struggle is something I admire. The fact that you are in recovery is something to be applauded. But let me say also, there is somebody watching me now, maybe in the room or maybe on live stream or on television, who needs to be in recovery. Alcohol and drugs and compulsive behaviors are so, uh, the, the struggle with those things are so pervasive that... There has to be someone who is hiding your addiction. You're managing your addiction. You're functioning highly at work, perhaps, and no one knows. But here's the truth. You will not be able to keep the car out of the ditch forever. And even if you could, that private battle that you are having with your demons will rob you of your joy and your health. You're thinking, I don't have time uh, to step aside and work on my addiction. It would be terribly inconvenient to go away for some inpatient treatment or to go to meetings uh, in the evenings. But let me tell you, I, I I believe you cannot afford not to. You cannot keep the car out of the ditch forever. And if you, even if you did, those demons that you're fighting will rob you of your joy and of your health. You need help. You need people to walk with you. Please don't try to manage it on your own. But remember, this is not just for people with addictions. This is for us all, and we all have issues. Today, we turn from admission to solution. Follow along on your outline, please. God can redeem us. Let's look at some of the key words from step two. First from AA's step two, power greater than ourselves. Now here is where we step aside and we define that power as followers of Jesus. Now when Bill W., Bill Wilson, and Dr. Bob came through those steps and they wrote about them and they were sober, they began to use words like higher power and power greater than ourselves, and God as we understand him. And they did that to be inclusive, not exclusive. They, they wanted people who were not religious or not Christian uh, to feel the power of the 12 steps, so they used that rather generic, inclusive language. I was in a meeting with people in recovery not long ago, and a young man said, if they had not used that inclusive language, I'd be dead tonight. He said, when I was drinking, I was uh, an atheist, or at least I told myself I was. And these are his words. He said, I needed the grace and the time to find God on my own. So I understand why. In the recovery community, they use higher power and power greater than ourselves and God as we understand him. But as followers of Jesus, we believe that God is who God is and we, not who we invent him to be or wish him to be or imagine him to be. And so when I say God, I'm speaking of the God who created the heavens and the earth, placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, called Abraham from his land to the land of promise and from his descendants. Brought out the the nation of Israel, and then the God who 2,000 years ago became flesh and blood in the person of Jesus. So we're naming as followers of Jesus our our higher power. Next phrase, insanity. Now I've I've often heard it said in the recovery world, and I understand that it's common in the engineer world too, that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Well, that's helpful for us today. I understand, and I've never done this experiment, but if you put mice in a maze, the mice will go around looking, going down passageway after passageway until they find their way out. But when they get to the end of a passageway and it doesn't work, they will back up or turn around and go to another one and finally find their freedom. And if you put them back in the maze, they will remember the passageways that don't work and they will not take the other ones. It appears that mice are smarter than humans when it comes to this because those of us with issues have been trying the same thing and the same thing and the same thing and expecting different results and that's why in the recovery community, they define insanity as doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Some of us have turned over more new leaves than we can count. We have taken more doses to do better than we can keep up with. We've come to the end of the passageway and it didn't work, but we say apparently, if I just try harder, If I just keep trying at this, it will work, and we're stuck, and that is insanity. These 12 steps are like a passageway to freedom, and there are people who have gone down this passageway, gotten to the other side, and they call back to us, this is how I found my freedom. So if you're, if you're at the end of one of those passageways and you've met a wall, please know that just trying harder ain't going to cut it. You don't have enough try in you. You don't have enough willpower in you. You need a different way. I believe that this 12 steps for us all is that passageway to freedom for many of us. So that's, that's insanity. Now, let's look at the key words from the biblical principle for us all. First, we. Uh, I've been, uh, over the last several weeks and months, uh, moving uh, pretty freely in the, in the world of recovery around, around Huntsville. And I've met so many wonderful people. And I'm, on, on Thursday evenings, I'm teaching... Um, these 12 steps to Bright Star, our fresh expression of church for people in recovery and those who love people in recovery. I'm, I'm teaching not for their sake, but for mine. I teach, and then they straighten me out before I come to you is the way that, that, that works. So we got to we at Bright Star. And one of the men who is in recovery, been in recovery for a long time, said, please don't skip over the power of the We. About a year and a half ago, I was at Bright Star. We meet downstairs in Room One Eighteen. Uh, I, I I go every once in a while, even before recently. I would go from time to time just to be make friends and encourage them. And I'd been invited to tell a story that was very difficult for me to tell—an emotional story. And there were twenty, maybe a, a few over 20, 20 or so people there, and. I knew about five of them. So I was telling my story, and I was struggling emotionally to get through it, and about halfway through my story, I said, by the way, you know that I'm the pastor of this church, right? And their response was most interesting. They said, no, and? They were neither impressed by it. Nor disappointed by it. Now, some people would be impressed, the pastor of First Baptist Church (laughs) would. And let's be honest with the story I was telling, there's some people who would be disappointed in the pastor of First Baptist Church. But it was just we. There are a lot of things those of us who are not in recovery could learn from those who are, and one of them is the power of we, where the where the land is, the ground is just level at the cross. It's just we. We believe. I'm finding so many helpful resources in recovery literature. One is the dark night of recovery. A man named Tyler is speaking with a man named Bob. Tyler's alcoholic, been in recovery for 30 years. He's talking to Bob, who's fairly new to recovery. Tyler, the old timer, is quoting Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh is talking to Piglet and about rabbit, and Pooh says, rabbit is clever. Yes, says Piglet, rabbit is clever, and he has a brain. I suppose, said Pooh, that's why he never understands anything. And then Tyler, the longtime man in recovery, said to Bob, the newcomer, big brains think too much. Sobriety is the language of the heart. Now, whether it's sobriety or Christian discipleship, I'm not suggesting we check our brains at the door. But belief comes from somewhere far deeper than our gray matter. And in recovery, they say the longest journey is from here to here. Belief is a heart choice. Belief is a choice of the heart that bets one's life for here and forever in something or someone. And I'm inviting you to believe in hope. That God can redeem you, which means he can rescue you, transform you, and empower you for the living of, the good living of the rest of your life. To believe is far greater than to think. Hope. Hope is more than optimism. Hope is more than everything's going to be okay. Hope is the deep conviction that That by God's grace and by God's power, I'm going to be okay no matter what happens. Hope is far bigger than some Pollyanna naive dream that everything will work out all right. It is the deep conviction that by God's grace and power, by his grace and power, I will be okay even if everything else is not Kenneth Callahan wrote five words that have gripped me and I hope you don't forget them. He wrote, hope is stronger than memory. Memory binds us, shackles us, chains us to the past. Memory, memory keeps us handcuffed to our laments and our regrets. Memory keeps us chained to those things we've messed up and cannot fix. Memory keeps us shackled to our shame. But hope says, Here, let me unlock that chain for you. Hope releases us to the future. Some of us have dragged into this room or into front of that computer or that television. You have dragged a ball and chain called memory and you can't get away from it. Well, here's the great news. Hope is stronger than memory. Hope releases us to the future. Hope releases us to redemption, meaning rescue, transformation, and the power to live our best life ahead of us hope God next phrase God can last week we said I can't today we say God can now please pay attention it does not say God will we still have to work the work 40 years ago yesterday Bear Bryant was buried my friend Joe Elmore did the service in first Methodist of Tuscaloosa and I thought which is a good weekend a good excuse to bring up a story I've already told but a few years no not a few years ago back in the 60s and uh, 70s Bear, Bear Bryant on Sundays would have his the Bear Bryant show and he'd sit there behind the golden flake potato chips and the Coca-Cola and he'd talk about the previous day. He had a host that just sort of kept things going and Bear didn't talk he growled you remember that and on this particular Sunday, uh, the Crimson Tide had lost the day before. And the, the host of the show said, the Lord just wasn't with us yesterday, coach. The Lord, growled "Bear expects us to block and tackle. <laughs> God expects us to do our part. Transformation requires participation. I've come to know a lot of people who've been transformed. But I've never met anyone transformed who didn't do the work. And if you need to be rescued, then you've got some work to do. There is hope that God can redeem you, of course, But he will not redeem you against your will, and he will not redeem you despite your laziness. Finally, redeem, meaning he can rescue us, transform us, and empower us for the best living of the rest of our lives. God does not turn back time. God does not undo that which is done. God does not remove the scars. God does not give back that which was lost, not always. God does not erase memories, generally speaking. But if we do our part, he will redeem us, meaning he will rescue us. And to transform us and empower us for the good living of the rest of our lives. God does not turn back the clock. He does not remove the scars. He does not undo that which was done. He does not give back that which was lost generally. He does not erase memory generally. Generally. But he will redeem you. He will rescue you, transform you, and empower you for the good living of the rest of your life. Let's go back to that verse. Uh, I I said we're going to come back to this from Psalm 102. Praise the Lord who redeems your life from the pit. Some years ago, I heard something that went something like this. A man was walking along and carelessly, carelessly fell into a pit. And he could not get himself out. An artist walked by, looked down into the pit, and said, Oh, I feel sorry for you down in the pit. An engineer walked by and calculated how he had fallen into the pit. An IRS agent came by, wanted to know if he was paying taxes on the pit. A telemarketer called, wanted to know if he wanted to extend his warranty on the pit. A judgmental person passed by and said, only bad people fall into the pit. A self-pitying person came by and said, you haven't seen anything till you see my pit. An optimist said, the pit could be worse. A pessimist said, the pit will get worse. And then, a, and then another man came walking by, looked down and saw him in the pit. By the way, we're going to call this guy in the pit, pit guy, okay? So pit guy is in the pit. Another guy came walking by, we're going to call him been there guy because he'd been in the pit. And he jumped down in the pit with pit guy. And Ben there guy said, uh, been here, done this. Would you like to know how I got out of the pit? I would, said pit guy. So Ben there guy pointed up just as the Lord God himself came walking by. Ben there guy nodded and pit guy reached up his hand and The Lord God reached down and picked him up out of the pit. Praise be to the Lord who redeems us from the pit. 250 years ago, Joseph Hart extended an invitation to us all Come, ye sinners. Poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Is anybody weak and wounded and sick and sore? Jesus ready stands to save you. Full of pity, love, and power. Praise be to the Lord who redeems us from the pit. And we're going to sing.